I'm Heather Anderson, and this is the FKT Podcast. Today, our guest is Art Brody, and he's going to be telling us about his unsupported Arizona Trail record that he set in fall of 2021. And just for some context here, we're talking about an unsupported record. This means absolutely no outside help. It means nobody gives you a Trail Magic beer along the way. You don't take water from a water cache. You don't have supplies or food or gear or anything like that stashed or mailed to yourself along the way. You literally are carrying everything from beginning to end. This includes your trash, which really adds up. So we're talking about unsupported for 800 miles. So a little bit of context to that, like I remember when Coop, the founder of Go Light, set the unsupported Colorado trail record, which was about 500 miles back in I think it was the early 2000s. And it was pretty much heralded as the longest unsupported effort possible. To my knowledge, no one has done anything longer than that up until Art. So Art, I am just blown away by your record and I just can't wait to hear more about it. But the first thing I have to know is why did you decide to do the AZT unsupported? Well, back in 2017, I went after your record, Mm self-supported, and I just, I knew nobody done unsupported and it kind of like intrigued me a little bit. And the more I like told people about it, everybody kept telling me it was impossible. And the more people told me it was impossible, the more I wanted to try it. Yeah. That that sounds like um, my sort of logic there. (laughs) The more you tell me no. (laughs) And so I think I have this right. You did it in 28 days, three hours and 11 minutes. And I think that works out to about 28 and a half miles per day, give or take. Yeah, right right around. Um, I know you have some great videos on YouTube about everything, really well documented. And one of the things, of course, that when I'm watching that is that you were out there for nearly a month. Um, I know how much I eat. Carrying a month of food when you're putting out huge miles per day is got to be tremendous. I saw all your food there. I saw, and we can talk about this a little bit more later, that you ran out of food at one point close to the end. How many calories per day did you allot yourself to eat out there? Uh, it was rough, roughly 4,000, give, give or take a little bit. If you look at what I carried, it's kind of, I don't know, a little over the top with weight. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, was all, it was all leftover food from my CDT hike. So the only thing that went into the AZT hike was a pair of shoes. And I think right. I bought a couple platypus bags knowing I was going to have to carry a lot of water. And then all the, all the rest was just left over. So it was kind of heavy stuff, but it was around mm-hmm. two pounds, approximately two pounds of food a day. And I was shooting for about 4,000 calories a day. That's incredible. That's, oh, that's so much food. That's so much weight. And yeah, you mentioned the shoes and that was the thing, like for somebody like me, who's always trying to minimize what's in my pack. When I saw you pulling out like an extra pair of shoes, I was like, no, no, you did not carry extra shoes. You know, just like shoes weigh like, I don't know, a pound at least. I mean, how much do your shoes weigh? Do you know how much they weighed? 
not not exactly. They're right around a pound, a little over a pound, I think. Okay. Uh, they're hokas, which aren't bad. I mean, when I first started hiking, I wore morels, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. they're way lighter. But I figured I'd need two pairs of shoes because of the weight of the pack would crush the sole so much on the first pair that right. I didn't even think I'd get 500 miles out of a pair. Mm-hmm. So were you able to get? How far did you get on the first pair? Right around 500 miles. Mm-hmm. My feet start hurting really bad, so I switched shoes and right after. After that, it was like great until towards the end when the soles went out again. <laughs> right. The outside appeared really good still, but in mm-hmm. the, the inner side, the sole was just done for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A heavy pack will absolutely crush out trail runners really fast. It's not like the Arizona Trail is actually very nice to shoes anyway. It's one of the toughest trails I've hiked as far yeah. as like walking over rocks and through the washes and all the thorn bushes and... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the the tread of my shoes got completely scoured off when I did my Arizona trail hike from just the abrasion from like the rocks and stuff like that. Like it was completely exposed to the foam inside. I had a hole in the shoe by the end. I'm impressed you still got 500 miles out of out of your shoes on that. How heavy was your pack when you left the start? It was 87 pounds and I had like two liters of water, I think. I can't wow. remember exactly how many how much water I had. So it was still, it was over 80 pounds with my gear minus the water. That's unbelievable. And how much did it weigh when you finished your hike? 30 pounds. After you, 30 pounds. And so you basically had 56 pounds of consumables in there. Yeah. That's not, not counting the trash because I kept the trash with me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, right. I was yeah. 30 pounds with the trash. Did you weigh how much the trash, like including the worn out pair of shoes, like how much your trash weighed? I don't believe so. That's all right. That's right. I'm like super like ridiculous with trash like I will walk an extra point one to throw my trash away like when I'm hiking like I hate carrying trash it's like more of a mental burden I think than an actual physical one you actually notice that little bit of weight though I totally thought I was going to get less than I was going to be somewhere in the like the higher 20s for my at the the weight at the end and I never got below 30 so it was really hard to make the miles so I think I had around three pounds of trash two pounds of trash because I was I was thinking I was going to be around 28 pounds when I finished Mm -hmm. yeah so when you finished your hike I watched your video and it was really it was really great to see that and you hiked obviously probably back to Montezuma Pass and what I thought was really fascinating is then like your next video was you doing trail magic at Montezuma Pass did you do that the same day you finished or was that like no it was the next day oh okay I got, I got there it was closer it was closer to the evening time so by the time I got done eating and all that the sun went down so right yeah I, I think that that's really cool that you went out and immediately were doing trail magic for the other hikers one of the things that I, I noticed in your videos that stood out to me too was there was the shuttle to take you to the start and you weren't able to even make it to the start of your unsupported hike. And so do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about how your adventure started out? We uh, started from Kanab. I paid for a lady to shuttle me there. Turns out she had a minivan and she couldn't make it across Buckskin Gulch because it had too much water in it. And so that's as far as she could make it, which was five and a half miles roughly from the start. And so I uh, had to take my shoes off and cross the, it was probably like calf deep water in the gulch yeah. and uh luckily i didn't fall <laughs> yeah but, uh yeah with the 87 pound pack it was a little little challenging to get down the muddy bank and then it was five and a half miles to the campground and took a little bit of a break there before i started that's crazy you had to add five and a half miles 
to the start of an unsupported nearly month long effort. Was that like, how did that end up mentally for you? No doubt in my mind that this wasn't going to happen, you know, unless I like messed up my ankle like I did the last few times I tried for FKTs. I figured if I didn't hurt myself, I would make it. No doubt in my mind. And the only thing I think that that did was it took away one day of food. Actually, it was more like a half a day of snacks and stuff. And then I didn't make it very far on the trail. So it took away, it kind of took away that dinner too. Right. Yeah. I was wondering about that because it is like, it is very much when you're planning food for an FKT, I mean, you've got it out, you know, this many calories, this many calories, this many dinners, this many whatever. And so when there's like an interruption to that schedule, like it can just have this domino effect across your food bag, which doesn't seem like it would be that big of a deal, but it, especially for an unsupported effort, that can be a huge deal. And so do you think that's why you ran out of food towards the end of the hike then is because of that? That, that was just one one reason. Other reason was uh, there was a few days where I didn't have the motivation to hike and I only did like right around 20 miles or 19 miles or one day I didn't even do that. I kind of had the mindset, all I had to do was finish. I wasn't trying to push myself to the extreme, trying to break something. I was trying to set something. I mean, I think that that's a great mindset to have with something like this, like especially carrying an 87 pound pack. That's just a tremendous strain on your body. Not that long ago, that was pretty common. People carried, you know, 50, 60, 80 pound packs all the time, but they certainly weren't hiking nearly 30 miles a day, you know, and the people like their mileage dropped in accordance. So like kind of trying to push the big miles while carrying a big pack and not hurt yourself. I mean, that's a very fine line to walk. So I'm actually kind of wondering, did you train? I think you had just finished the CDT. Yeah, that was my training. Uh, yeah, okay. about roughly a week, maybe two. Oh. <laughs> that's, super so that, that's, a, that's another thing that kind of hurt me. I lost all the weight from the CDT that, that you do through hiking. I didn't go out and gorge myself like I think I should have to put it all back on. You know, I just ate, ate kind of moderately. And so I, I didn't have that much weight when I started the Arizona Trail, which I think kind of affected me towards the end. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the CDT is an easy trail. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's a burly trail. I mean, I'm assuming you hiked it southbound. Yeah. I don't know if this happened to you, but for me, like I've always gone southbound on it. And so that point where you start getting very hungry seems to coincide with Colorado when you're at very high elevation. And I always lose a lot of weight in the last third of the CDT because you're just at high altitude. So I can't even imagine like going into an FKT like this, like depleted from your CDT height. <laughs> yeah, I only got my weight back up to like 172, I think it was. And then when I finished the AZT, I was 148. Wow. It just shows you like, you know, you're eating 4,000 calories a day and you still have this massive weight loss, the caloric output of your body for an effort like this. Like it was like burning through all your reserves plus like this 4,000 calories a day you were feeding it. Did you have any um, actual like physical impacts like long-term? Like you were, I'm curious about your recovery from the Arizona Trail, especially the fact that it was following the CDT. Like did you have tendonitis or any other like lingering issues? I mean, how was your recovery from this? I didn't do hardly anything afterwards for a long time. I'm just now starting to jog again and mm -hmm. get get ready for this summer <laughs> don't know what hikes on the board yet but something's gonna come but i still think i'm slightly recovering from in my right. ankle my left ankle and mm -hmm. uh can't think of the muscle the one that goes down the the shin the mm -hmm. dorsal flexor or something like that yeah 
Mm-hmm. That one's the the muscle that always bugs me the most when I'm out hiking. It's more to the side of the shin. It's all in the muscle. It's like one big massive knot in that muscle that mm. affects the ankle. Like mm-hmm. when I, when you put weight down on the ankle, because the muscle up in the shin area is so knotted, it doesn't have room to flex as much and causes the pain in the ankle. It doesn't really hurt so much in my shin. It's all it all transfers down into my ankle. Yeah. I think that's super common is that transfer up or down from in injuries like that. That, and I don't like to stretch a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Like at home I do yoga here and there, you know, I'm pretty Uh like good at that. But when I go out on the hike, I don't like stretching just disappears for some reason. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, I think that your body wants to protect itself when it's out there. So you don't probably want to make it too stretchy, but some stretching probably wouldn't wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> so you mentioned that you mentioned you attempted this uh, Arizona Trail FKT before. Had you hiked? Have you how many times have you hiked the Arizona Trail or attempted to hike the Arizona Trail? See, I uh, made it 350 miles my first attempt, and then that that was in the spring of 2017, and then in the fall of 2017, I tried going southbound. I made it to South Rim of the Grand Canyon. And then 2018, I figured I'd yo-yo the trail and try for a record on the way back. And I made it all the way through it. And uh, on the way back, there was like six feet of snow when I came up off of North Rim that year. And and uh, on the way back through it, I post-holed and twisted my ankle somewhere around 60 miles into that 40 uh somewhere between 40 and 60 miles into that one and then i went back and did this one so that would be what two and a half times yeah you've seen both ends quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) but i tell you what the, the trails changed like i kept telling myself oh you can make up these miles in along the gila river where it was all flat for like several miles because the first time I hiked there, I seen 12 rattlesnakes that day. So it's like oh, wow. burned in my brain, right? And then yeah. I'm like, oh, you can make up lots of miles in that section. And I get there and the trail was rerouted up onto the hillside. And there was more climbing than what I anticipated. So I had a lot of setbacks like that too that slowed me down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of times familiarity with a route is a boon when you're setting FTT. But it can also, I guess, like be a you know, detriment when you expect it to be a certain way and it's not. Did you feel like, am I lost? Like, did you have a moment where you're like, am I on the wrong trail? Like when things didn't match your memory? Yeah. Yeah. Some, some <laughs> few times I was that way, you know, and I'd look at the, the GPS tracks and make sure I was on the trail. And I mean, there was a couple of times where I did go the wrong way and had to backtrack to the trail where I left the trail only a couple miles here and there though. So I didn't lose a lot that right. way, but the trail's pretty mm-hmm. well defined. I have mm-hmm. to say that one of the things I'm curious about, because I, I think this was a part of like your very first, your first day was fire closures. I noticed, you, I remember in one of your videos on YouTube, you, you posted about having to take a fire reroute. Were there a lot of those? Is, I'm, no, I was the only on one. The oh, okay. I was kind of curious because um, that can be a real complication. Yeah, I, I almost went through it, but like I was being tracked and it's all on, like I'm recording it, a lot of it, you know, and. Then there's a sign posted five thousand dollar fine for going through it, and I was like, "Well, there's they got evidence if I do go through it, you know." So, yeah. So I was like, "I'll stick to the the reroute," and it added a few miles to it. 
did it take you to water? Because I remember that first section being really dry. There was there right right when you come to the fire closure, like another half mile, there's this really nasty tank of water. This pond. Yum. Uh, I can't think <laughs> of the name of the pond, but it it was pretty gross. And I did, I had some water and I chose to skip that. And I probably should have taken a little bit because I ran out mm. before I found water again. Cause that whole that whole section was dry. Yeah, I remember some significant dry sections, and that's one of them. Yeah, that was like 20, 30 miles section of dry. What was the farthest you went without water, like without finding water? Like how, how much water did you have to carry, like both in distance and in actual like weight? I carried five and a half liters out of Mathers Campground. I carried mm-hmm. five and a half liters out of there, and I think that was my biggest water carry because normally people would stop it like by that town can't think of the name of it just south of the grand oh, canyon Tucson. yeah and get water from there but there wasn't nothing available for me so i had to skip that I, I do believe five and a half liters was my longest carry and i can't really tell you where how many miles that was but i, I roughly average about five miles per liter so did you have to go off the trail for water, like by significant distances? Uh, sometimes. Uh, I had a, like, uh, once you come down uh, from Summerhaven and you pass that, you pass that campground, I can't think of the name of it, but you go up over this, over this little hill and uh, this little saddle, and then you drop down and there's like, I had to walk a couple miles. Mostly it was just a couple miles, nothing any further than that. Yeah. I feel like I remember like a 50 mile stretch and it was somewhere between picket post and, and Oracle. I feel like I remember it was a and there, like there was water caches because I could use the water caches. But I feel like it was just like, or maybe it was right after Oracle. I don't yeah, know. Anyway, it, I just remember it, it, my picket post was really dry too. Yeah. I had a, I had a lot of, uh, it was a really good monsoon season to start with. And I found, I seen water in places that I'd never seen water before. Oh, that's nice. But th- but then there was w- w- there wasn't water where I was figuring on getting water. You know, so, <laughs> uh, I'm like oh, like come in uh, just before you go up up into the Saguaro National Park down at the in the valley. There's a there used to be a river there. Well, it's oh, thank you, Verde. Yeah, it was dry. Uh-huh. Really? And, yeah, and, and I was <laughs> I was planning on getting water from there. And wow, about. A few more miles up the trail, I found water in another creek, but. Yeah. Back to the whole, like, when you, you know, trail familiarity, you think it's going to be helpful. <laughs> but when the water isn't there, it's not so helpful. But I did have to get out of some, like, water I would normally not choose to get out of. It was pretty, yeah, I would imagine. Some pretty disgusting little potholes of water yeah i mean i don't know what your opinion is on this i'll be curious to hear but my opinion is hands down the arizona trail has far worse water than anywhere i've ever hiked and that includes the cdt by a long shot yeah like what do you think about that definitely yeah everybody like a lot of people i know were complaining about water on the the cdt and i was thinking oh this ain't bad at all (laughs) really i mean yeah definitely once you've hiked the arizona trail everything is pretty good compared to that and I love how they call them lakes. They're, oh, they're, yeah. They're little cow ponds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like to, I think. They like to call them lakes. <laughs> yeah. The first time I came to one of those, I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is not a lake. What was your absolute worst water that you actually drank on the Arizona Trail? 
Coming down from uh, Summerhaven, uh, once you pass that one campground, I can't think of the, the name of it there, that one water where I was telling you I had to walk a couple miles off the trail after climbing that saddle, that, wa that water was pretty gross. It, the water was so stagnant. But, I mean, there's a lot of those on the Arizona Trail. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to yeah, narrow it so, down to just one. Yeah. I'm just really glad I had good filters. <laughs> yeah. I, I found that interesting that like you had like a whole like filter system. Like you had the, you had the pre-screens and then you had two Sawyer filters or three. I carry two Sawyer filters and I had three pre-filters that I lost one because I used to have this one that I lost at the beginning of the continental divide. And I believe it was like in the 30 microns which worked perfect. It actually changed the flavor of the water on the Arizona trail. Because when I used that and the people I was hiking with didn't at the, the first, the first time I was hiking the trail, their water tasted gross and mine tasted like reasonably okay. And they tried with my pre-filter and their filter and their water tasted better after that. So pre-filtering does an amazing job at even helping with the taste for some reason. Yeah. Well, seeing the water on the AZT, I can imagine just the very tiny particulates in there that are gonna give it flavor. You know, you're gonna, they're not, yeah. That like if you a don't, tea. If, yeah, if you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, a lot of protein in that water. Yeah. Uh, uh, but if you, if you don't use a pre filter, then your Sawyer's gonna be like clogged after one or two water sources. Yeah, I had to be really picky when I did my hike because I only had the one Sawyer and I didn't bring a pre filter and it was fine. It made it through the hike, but. It was done. There was no resurrecting that filter after that. Did having to carry that much water affect you mentally? Like, were you were you constantly thinking about water? Nah, not too much. I, I made a really good list of where all, where all the water sources were at the beginning. And, there, and pretty much all of them had water that I thought would have water. And I tend to carry a little more water than I need. So I never really had to ration water, except for that right at the beginning through that fire reroute. I didn't get enough water to do the reroute and make it to the next one. I ran out right there, but that was the only spot that I ran out. And I only ran out for, I wouldn't even say I ran out because I was only like a mile. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it was more or less, I, dr I drank what I had in supply knowing that water would be there or hoping water yeah. would be there. You just didn't walk in with your extra. I feel like that's always a good idea in the desert is just to have that little buffer. Obviously, you had a very heavy pack at the beginning. And for those who aren't super familiar with a southbound Arizona trail hike, um, the, the initial part of that trail is actually quite flat. Like it's not flat, flat, but there's not a lot of elevation gain and loss aside from going in and out of the Grand Canyon and some stuff around Flagstaff. And then you start going over the Sky Islands as you go further south. So you're doing much bigger climbs and descents. As your pack got lighter and you got further south, did you end up, did your mileage just increase as your pack got lighter or was the terrain change, like the elevation enough to kind of keep your mileage really consistent because the terrain got harder as your pack got lighter? I think it got a little easier as my pack got lighter. I think the thing that hurt me the most towards the end is I didn't have the energy. You know, it wasn't so, oh, I guess the terrain, if you don't have the energy, the terrain gets harder. <laughs> but I think that was the biggest thing that kept my mileage I was supposed to do it in 25 days and it wound up taking me 28 days, you know, so towards the end, I was supposed to be doing 40 mile days and I think I only got one 40 mile day in. Yeah, definitely not having the energy makes a huge, huge difference. And 
I would imagine a lot of that is like coming off of a CDT and then going right into something like this. It's yeah, your, your body needs some surplus for a prolonged effort like that. Did you have any issues with the weather? Oh yeah. <laughs> Arizona trail gets me every, every time I've hiked it, I've like had tons of snow. I get more snow on that trail than any other trail I really ever hike. But when I came off, uh, when I was coming down the, from South Rim, uh, I wound up hitting, there was a snowstorm. The wind was blowing every direction. So it was more miserable because of the wind than the snow. Mm-hmm. The snow was blowing, every little flurries were blowing everywhere. And I was walking through, there was only supposed to be like an inch of snow or, or something like that. And it wound up being like three to six inches of snow in places. And it melted off pretty fast, you know, and, and those are one of, those are some of the days where I, I didn't hike very many miles because like I knew the storm was coming in and I didn't feel like setting up in the snow. So I just like quit early. That was like 11 and a half miles out of the Grand Canyon. And then once the snow melt, it all turned to mud. And to me, that was worse than the snow because like one time I like went off trail a little bit thinking that the trail was the road and on the way back i slipped and uh the way the way to the backpack i couldn't catch my balance and uh i went down on the side covered in mud it was wonderful no. <laughs> oh no oh man and then i had yeah. days of rain really right? yeah like only a, only a few days and i, I had my umbrella which kind of helped with that i used it more when it rained than it did for the sun because i always had clouds covering the sun for me in a lot of places where like where it was supposed to be miles and miles of flat up on the plateau there or the mesa mm-hmm. it was all cloudy that day so it never got as hot as it was supposed to i was blessed with some good weather yeah and some bad weather <laughs> and, some bad, and some bad weather i mean nothing can come easy right right did it get very hot for you like when you were in the south uh there was days where it got like around the high 80s i don't ever think it like really got into the 90s at all but it was it was still pretty hot i mean yeah. trying to walk through the desert with no shade and in the sun yeah. you know 75 degrees could be hot if there's no shade or anything or breeze or totally i mean i remember on my hike like i didn't have i didn't have rain that's for sure i had i did a, i had a snowstorm up at the north rim i feel like in October, that's just a given that that's something like that's going to happen in the end of the season. But I remember they, they had a heat wave when I got down into like the real, real low area there, that part that's around like Picket Post and the Gila and stuff like basically where there's no water down there. And I had a friend who lived in Tucson and she informed me that it was like triple digits when I was out there. It was just so, it was so crazy. Like Arizona Trail just has such extreme weather and it's like, how do you prepare for all of it you have to carry the you know gear just in case it snows on you you know you got 50 miles of snow to walk through you know can't do that in just running shorts very well yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy like i think the arizona trail i mean arizona in general is just a land of extremes there's a lot going on there and i think that that's one of the things i think makes the arizona trail super challenging so it's really incredible that you were able to go out and and complete it in this manner and like despite all of the the weird weather and in just the weight of your pack i mean that just blows my mind the weight of your pack in and of itself so i think that's just super amazing what you did and i'm really glad you were able to come on the show and share it with us 
you have any other stories or things you'd like to share that I haven't prompted you for? I see my first mountain lion on that trail just before picket post. It's coming into the wash about one o'clock in the morning. Had my headlight on super dim and I, to get it on bright, I had to shut it completely off. So there's a, a split second where there was no light at all and this mountain lion sitting in the middle of the trail and it was a neat experience. So I yelled at it a little bit and it took off running. Seems like every time I hike it, I see a different kind of like animal that I've never seen before, like the Cotamundi or what is it? The, the big lizard. Oh, the Gila monsters. The, the Gila monster. Yeah. The Gila monster. Seen one of those and those like not very many people get to see those, you know? No, I still haven't seen one. I'm someday. <laughs> I do. That's pretty amazing. That's uh, yeah. There's such interesting wildlife on the trail too. And I think that definitely hiking at night, you do see more of it on, on the Arizona trail. I think a lot of, I mean, it's the desert. So a lot of animals are nocturnal and it's like, I've seen a lot of wildlife at night hiking, but the Arizona trail, just there's so much out there at night. You never feel like you're by yourself at night. Oh yeah. You always get the coyotes yelling mm -hmm. and yelping and my buddy, if I'm talking to a friend on the phone, he's always like, oh, they're trying to get you. <laughs> he's, always, he's always the one trying to get in your head and mess you up. You know? Yeah. Kind of funny. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today um, and sharing about your amazing um, hike. Do you have any upcoming plans for FKTs or other adventures? I have a desire to go break my record. And then, because okay. uh, like, I, like I said, I said I could do it in 25 days and it took me 28 days. So I think I can make it a little harder for people to break it. So part of me wants to go do, try that. And then I kind of, I also have a desire to go for the self-supported again on the trail. And then I've looked at other trails. I kind of want to see if I can even like find a trail that's maybe a little longer and, and try it on that just to see like how far I can push myself. Wow. You're glutton for punishment. <laughs> The worst, the worst part about it was more the the mental part of like the food, you know, like at the beginning, you didn't want to eat a lot because you wanted to, you know, you, you didn't want to run out of food. And then like, I thought for a minute that I had too much food. So I started eating more food than I was supposed to. And then turns out I didn't have enough food. The mental, like the rabbit holes I went down just over the food was the worst part about it. And then towards the end, lack of strength. But I think the food was the worst part. Yeah, I would have a really hard time gauging that much food in my pack. Anytime I have a long carry, I end up eating way too much at first because I want the pack weight to go away. And then yeah, I'm like exactly. you, I mean, running out. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's like 70 plus pounds, you know. So Right. Well, I look forward to following on along on whatever you attempt next. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Art, for coming on the show. You can check out all of Art's FKT details, including photos, videos, and a day-by-day -day trip report on the website, fastestknowntime.com. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Heather on the FKT Podcast. Mm -hmm.